Hi, I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and you're listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Queer Teen Podcast. I'm super excited for my next guest. Um, this season's all about queer religion and what, what I'm calling queer religion and um, queer people and their relationship to God or whomever you believe in and on your journey that you choose or um, want to follow with your spirituality, with religion and um, safe establishments basically and trying to find what those are for people that are in the queer community. And I'm pretty sure my next guest has a lot to say about that. And so I'm gonna let her, is that your pronouns, she, her? Yes, it is. I'm gonna let her self introduce you to herself, to the world. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, hello, my name is Amber Cantorna and I do a lot of work at the crossroads of LGBT and faith. So this is perfect. Um, I grew up in an uber conservative evangelical home My father has been an executive, a focus on the family for over 30 years. So anybody from a um, traditional Christian background would know that that is uh, one of the largest organizations uh, for evangelical ministry, but also unfortunately one of the largest anti-LGBT organizations still in existence today. And so I had a very uh, cocoon upbringing is what I call it. Um, very much in a very small bubble where my world completely revolved around Christianity and church and did not. Um, and because of all those reasons, because I was homeschooled, because I had lived in a small bubble, because I never dated and was a part of purity culture. Um, I was not able to figure out that I was gay until I was in my early twenties. Um, when I did come out as gay several years later, it obviously, did not go well, you know, it was exactly what you would expect it to be. And we can certainly talk more about that. But um, because of my experience, I now work a lot with people who come from conservative faith backgrounds, whatever that may be, um, and help them kind of reconcile their faith with their sexuality. Because I feel like that's important. Did you say purity lives? What did you say? Purity culture. Is that a a real, is that a saying people say? It is a real thing. Yes, it is something that's very widely known in evangelical Christianity. Um, It's this idea that you save sex for marriage. Uh Um, They had this, in a lot of aspects, it is quite cult-like. They have this whole mission. They would do these conferences. You would sign this vow. You would wear this ring. Um, Everything signifying that you would save sex for marriage. And basically kind of this idea that if you did all the right things and served God with your life, um, that eventually your knight in shining armor would come in on the right horse and kind of sweep you off your feet to have whatever after. So people never dated. Um, That was kind of, you know, like dating and getting to know yourself and getting to know what you like um, was certainly not acceptable in that culture. Um, And that's something that I regret and wish I would have done more of. And, but it really shaped my experiences. And, and and my inability to even identify that I was gay early on because my world was so very small. That, oh, 
Uh, and it's still, you know, it's a funny thing. It still goes on, obviously. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks things. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's probably more heightened in ways because of social media and the way television can be used with YouTube and the way messages can get out there a lot broader with the way you can put videos on Vimeo and all the streaming platforms. So therefore, they have a, they have a larger platform to, um, I guess, um, send out their message. It is a cult. That is such a cult. That is literally just telling people what to do. And if you don't do it, you're going to go to hell and you're going to die, basically. You know, that's probably what you feel like, especially a queer person who's like, I, if you can't be yourself, honestly, we know this. And if you can't be yourself, it ends up in really bad ways. You know, like people kill themselves. Absolutely. Um, obviously they take up to drinking and drugs or what they do is they completely escape altogether and cut everybody off. And that's not yep. either. Yep. Um, I mean, I've spoke to someone who just came out a couple of years ago and they're 41 because of religion and it's still exists. God, it's so crazy. But so what, what is your relationship to God or what do you now take on as your way of existing so you can have a purpose. I know what your purpose is, but like a purpose through spirituality and, and religious um, meaning, because uh, there are different, those are different things. What what is what is that relationship for you now? Because you said not until your 20s you came out and then started to truly go on that journey of being yourself and discovery. Um, obviously falling in love is what I, I saw some pictures. I'm assuming that's your part. <laughs> yes, my wife and I have been married for almost seven years. Oh, yeah. And you have you, FYI. I do. Uh, I am so sorry. I love it. No, I saw the pictures. Is, right? I have myself. This is life at home, right? This yeah, is I love, no. This is life. Happen. Yeah. So what, was, what, is that, what is that for you and your partner, like doing it all together? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this has been a deconstruction process is what we would call it. Basically you're taking what you were taught to believe and you are kind of pulling that apart because in the world that I grew up in, you were taught to never question anybody in authority. Like what they said was kind of the word of God to you. And you were just supposed to accept that and believe that with all your heart. And so you were never taught like to really think for yourself, to question, to doubt, to even have basic critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, I think a lot of people, um, whether you're LGBT or whether you're allies and you've come to more of a progressive stance, um, there's a lot of deconstruction and kind of taking apart those beliefs and re-examining them um, that I think takes years to go through. Um, I I love the journey of it for me, you know, like it's been a, it's been a hard journey, but it's been a beautiful journey. And um, I, I love being able to, to ask those hard questions and learn and grow and not be afraid of that anymore the way I used to be. Um, that's been very, very liberating for me. Um, so I, I believe that you can find God anywhere, right? Like, um, God has no gender. God has no box. God has, you can find, you don't have to be in a church, um, or a religion to, to find or experience God. In fact, many LGBT people don't, right? Because they've been harmed by religion. Um, and I don't think that that at all has any parameters on your ability to, to connect and have a relationship with God, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's different for every person and, and each person has to go on their own journey to find that. And it can be, it doesn't have to be a, um, 
a restrictive journey. I don't believe God is a God of exclusion. I believe God includes and um, that you can find God no matter where you are in your life. 100%. And I don't think it's fair that we don't allow another human being to, to, to go on that journey, a queer human being to go on that journey. It's not fair. It's not right. It's just not Absolutely. right. Absolutely. It's, it's so horrible. Everyone is equally loved by God. And there is Absolutely. caveat to that. There's no exceptions. There's no strings attached. No. I mean, it's so interesting too, because at one point I did go down the Christian path and I was like, this seems right for some reason, because it also brought me closer to my father. Um, and that was good for me because we didn't have a really good relationship. So I was like, well, this is, this is working. And this part of it, I mean, I was doing the workbooks. I was doing all the things. And, uh, I then was told I can't be gay. And I was like, well, that ain't gonna work out. <laughs> that is not gonna work out. Sorry about that. Plus this had already come from me being out since I was 16. And at this point I was 24, 23, 24. So I was like, no, I mean, I was doing all sorts of things and I respect the people who are guiding me. I don't respect them in regards to being so caught up in something that was just created by a man, a white man in power mm -hmm. and just created a law with a book a book and a book and a book and a book that was written, who knows, and the language and the interpretation. So it's like so interesting breaking down that part of it for really breaking it down and really trying to understand the text and, and what you actually use it for. And never the fact, never mind that it's written by all, well, in certain books, it's all men. And you're like, what? This is weird. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just discovering that. I think that's really cool that you are. Um, what is it? What is it like with, um, your partner, your wife, wife or? Both. Yeah, my wife, yeah. Um, you know, we've both been on different journeys and yet we both have gone, she grew up um, fundamental Baptist. So again, uh, they're very conservative, you know? Um, and so similar experiences, but different. She was um, born in the Philippines and raised in Hawaii. So yeah. she's a first generation immigrant and person of color. And um, so our experiences have a lot of parallels and they also have some differences. And uh, in many ways, we've, you know, done a lot of deconstruction together. And in some ways, we've, it's been different for each of us, you know. Um, but I think it's good when you've, you know, when you've spent 30 years or, you know, or however many years, 20 years, all your teen years, all your growing up years, um, in this kind of strict faith-based rule-enforced environment, it takes a long time to kind of deconstruct from that. And um, I think in some ways you're kind of forever reprogramming, you know, reprogramming yourself um, and, finding, and finding more freedom. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what some people, that's the only reason why I'm doing these conversations too, because I want people to really understand like, oh, but then they don't love you. I'm like, it's not a matter of the person not loving you. It's a matter of them believing in something so strongly that no matter what, even family-wise, it's the word of God that they're holding this, um, their ability to not um, let you in and keep you in and work with you. They don't want to do that because they believe in something so hard, hard that it's not 
it's, it's so hard for people to understand that because it's like they have such a strong belief and like, yeah, but it's 2020. And it's like I said, and I'm like, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop believing in the things they believe in. I mean, I have right. I've experienced it, you know, like I I still get uncomfortable going to like a church like my dad. My dad's a Christian and my my stepmother and and they have these like strong, contradictory beliefs that I think are mm. very interesting to walk through when I'm around them and mm -hmm. I have conversations and I think it's so funny. I don't think you should not feel like somebody could help you and like guide you. But I also don't believe that there's such a, it's so fake. There's a, a fake, I'm not saying they're fake, but there is a fakeness and in, then in, in, uh, it's not genuine enough for me to believe that you are trying to just really help people especially especially in the evangelical world <laughs> well yeah and you know if you're straight it's easy to compartmentalize things and, and everything's Correct. black and white and Correct. they believe that god demands this of them they don't they preach an unconditional love in god but they don't really believe it mm -hmm. um if they believed it they would be free to love and they would be free to to give love and yeah. Um, and they don't like uh, at the core, I really believe my parents um, believe in a conditional loving God because that is they they believe that to associate with me puts them in jeopardy of hell because I'm already, you know, I've already strayed from the path. I've already been deceived or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Right. Gone astray. Um, and so for them to even to be around me, I think in their mind puts them in jeopardy of quote unquote going to hell. And so they don't really believe in an unconditional loving God um, or they wouldn't have so much fear. That's a better way of putting it. I couldn't put it. In, that is totally a better way of putting it because for a while too, I hated. I mean, I didn't even believe in anything for a while. I was like, no, I'm just going to cut it all off and just like, just live and not even take into consideration spirit, but not even taking consideration, just talking to people, you know? And mm -hmm. um, so I was like, no. And I was really a big advocate about saying, I do not believe in God. There's no God, there's nothing. Um, and then I started to get back into all things, all things around us are godly. And we actually have to do it together because truly like, if I'm not doing, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, you certainly can't do what you're supposed to because it doesn't mm -hmm. work. That way. We, we, we then cut off each other on each other's journeys. Even though your journey is mm -hmm. your journey, you're still going to cut someone off. It's like improv. I'm a theater person. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this yes and mentality when you do improv. You can't stop the scene going forward. No matter what it is, you have to continue moving forward together. You can't stop it. Right. That's what improv yeah. Yeah, we all have so much um, influence on one another. And 100%. If you believe in God and you believe that you can experience God anywhere, then we also experience God in one another, right? And so okay. we get to experience the divine in you and the divine in me and, and how that um, brings life and gives life to us. So walk me through this a little. All right, let's get into it a little bit. Um, if you don't mind talking about this. Uh, Walk me through the moment of <laughs> separating church and queer and <laughs> walk, me, walk me through that moment because you knew something for so long, 
You also knew your family for so long, obviously your whole life. You knew the community you were a part of. You are a part of a very big community, a huge mm-hmm, community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that stops in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So explain to me what that was and what that was like for you. Cause I'm just very curious because everyone's, you know, interpretations of their experience is obviously different. Yeah. It's, uh, I really feel like there was a defining moment. Like that moment that I came out to my family was that defining moment for me. And I feel often like I've lived two completely different lives. There was life prior to coming out and there was the life after coming out because literally almost nobody followed me into that second life. Um, I lost almost everybody I knew when I came out. So it was starting over with nothing and new, new place to live, new friends, new community, new everything. And so it was really like starting over. Um, for me, you know, I came out to my, my parents and um, told them about the journey I had been on. I, I spent time, you know, deconstructing faith and, and trying to reexamine what, you know, uh, I mean, the Bible is so often used as a weapon against LGBT people. Um, right. A few verses that are misinterpreted, in my opinion, you know. They are nothing to do with talk about that they have to do you right that's a whole nother thing um but that was a journey i had to take to understand you know and be confident that um that it was that god still loved me and then it wasn't um that it was the box that i was put in that was um constructed wrongly you know it wasn't it wasn't god it was what i had been taught about god and so being able to uh, being yeah. able to separate those things of what I had been um, taught about God or what was being done to me in the name of God versus what I had experienced about God myself. And so that was a journey I had to go on. But, you know, when I came out to my parents, um, they, well, first they walked out. My dad got up and walked out. Uh-huh. Um, and then when we had our next conversation, um, he compared me to murderers and to pedophiles. And um, they said, we feel like you've died. You know, how dare you do this to the family? You're so selfish. And um, they took away my key to the house. And so it was very traumatic. Um, And only from, I mean, that was just one conversation, you know, over over the next couple of years, things just, I mean, there was an instant division that happened the moment I told them that. our relationship was never the same after that point. Uh, it was just an instant, an instant division. Um, but every conversation we had after that was very strained. It was not at all like what we had previously shared. Um, very awkward. Um, you know, it got to the point where the only thing that you felt like you could really talk about was like work and the weather, you know, because there was nothing else. They didn't w- really want to know anything else about my life. and. Um, there was a lot of passive aggressive behavior that happened and um, just things that they would do that would slowly push me further and further to the outside to where I knew that I no longer belonged, you know? Um, and in the midst of that is when I met Clara, my wife. So I was single when I came out, but then we met in the midst of kind of those couple tumultuous years with my family. And um, when we got married, I had no family at my wedding. Um, but it was the, you know, it was a supportive community of people that I had built around me that kind of stepped up to the plate and filled those gaps. 
Um, and then a few months after we got married is when my, my parents cut ties with me completely. And we haven't spoken since. So it's been about six and a half, seven years since we've had any contact. Um, so it's, it's definitely been a journey. You know, there's been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of grief. There's been a lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all those things that so many queer people inside religious, um, you know, spaces face and experience. And so that's, you know, a lot of what's made me passionate about the work that I do now is helping them um, realize that it is, you know, that God does love them. And it's, it's the box that they've been taught to put God in or, or what they've been taught about God that is misconstrued, not God's love for them. Yeah, that every time, thank you for sharing that. Every time I hear those stories, I automatically get angry because it's so, and disheartened. Like I, I know it's a journey. I just take on that energy. I can't help it. Um, because it's just, a, it's so real for so many people. Um, and the fact that like, I, I, to be honest, I couldn't imagine not talking to my mom and my dad um, because I've been very lucky in that regard. And I have two sets of parents that I can talk to about anything pretty much. And one is completely Christian, I think Republican, and the other is democratic and they don't give a shit. So, <laughs> You know, it's like, it's just like, but like, but I can still have these conversations. So I think it's an interesting, do you have siblings? I have one younger brother. Do you talk uh, to him? But no, I have, like I said, I was basically cut off from everybody in my family. Like right. my parents, my sibling, my grandparents, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, my church, like everybody cut me out. So I lost everything. Right. My world crumbled to the ground. And it's interesting because there's such an attachment. That's an attachment, right? To this idea, right? Of family, because we love our family and like they raised us, like we are supposed to trust them and understand right. them and be with them. And then when it's gone, you got to reconcile with the, the idea of not, there's no attachment anymore because when I say attachment, I mean, we attach ourselves to an idea of something. That's mostly what we attach because we love it and it's fun and like we respect it and we trust it and it's cool, but it's an interesting way. If you don't attach yourself to just what that could be, even though it sucks. Um, but then you start to create your, you know, like our, your chosen family and the world around you starts to open up in a different light. I think if I believe it seems to work out, even though it still sucks, it's not to say that it's not that it doesn't, it's just that it's an interesting, um, it's just a different way of doing it. And well, it, uh, takes, it takes time to rebuild that, you 100%. know. Oh yeah, I mean, come on, they raised you for- Right, you know, but like, at the same time, like living a lie is so suffocating. And that's oh. why we see so many LGBT people, you know, wrestling with suicide and self-harm and, mm-hmm. and alcohol and all these risky behaviors because they are killing their souls to please their family or to please their religion or their God. And so even in the midst of all that I lost, I still firmly believe that coming out was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, I feel like I came alive the day that I came out and my family has missed the happiest years of my life. Sure. Sure. So what do you do now? Now, so I see, I'm, I'm just, I like to look at people's websites if they have them. And I, I'm telling you, your dogs are the cutest things ever. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. That little 
picture of I think a little the bow tie, oh, not a bow tie, not a bow, but like a basically uh, wrapping paper, ribbing uh, presents. It has like a little. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. So I, um, when you were, so what do you do now? Like, what is, what do you, where do you go to church? Like, how is this? What do you do now? I know you speak and you live that life and you are talk to a lot of people, which is fantastic. And you tell the story and you help, help, help. And you've written a couple of books, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, what do you do now for church? Like, where do you go? Like, what's your practicing faith? Well, you know, there's a pandemic. And so that puts a right. couple of, on a lot of life. Um, my wife and I had connected to a, um, an affirming um, United Methodist Church last year. And um, yeah. and so we have been, you know, kind of a part of that. They're very social justice driven, which I really appreciate. And um, I think they're doing a lot of good with Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ and um, things that a lot of times you wouldn't typically see in church. Um, I don't necessarily myself feel the need to be in church as long as I'm in community. Um, and in nature, that's kind of where I find a lot of my spirituality and, um, a lot of richness for myself is, is being in nature and in being community with others. Um, but my wife still feels, finds a lot of meaning in, in a church service. And so we do that together and as a way of supporting her and, um, and, you know, and, and of growing together and, and being together. And um, it's, it's, it really is a beautiful community of people that we really enjoy. And, and part of, for me too, I think I find a lot of my, um, my spiritual connection through, through the work that I do with people like Candace Zubernat that, you know, a lot of the people that I uh, consider colleagues, I think are, are when we are able to meet up at conferences and that that's where I really feel spiritually fed because I know that we're doing similar work and we can connect on the same level and we can feed each other's souls. And so those are places where I feel like I really connect and grow spiritually, um, just in community with other people. But of course, in the midst of COVID and everything being online, we're not able to do any of those kind of um, gatherings or, or community kind of enrichment things that we would typically um, have in a normal year. So life just looks right. different right now, but, um, you know, have hopes for better things on the horizon in 2021. <laughs> of course, of course, it'll, 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 it will work itself out. And, uh, yeah, I feel I'm the same way, uh, as far as I go to church once in a while, but my community within my church is like, I'm real. And like, like I yeah. literally spoke to the, 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 my friend, Michelle, she's the head of the educational department in, our, in church. And, um, we're going to get a whole bunch of a few people on to talk about uh, like a little panel. And so like I, and I always bring the kids in and my, our youth program is amazing. And uh, the kids are like unreal. It's so strange to me. It's still so strange. I, I, I talk about this all the time, but it's still so strange to me when you see, you allow someone to be themselves and they get to experience themselves for who they are at a very young age. And they are so successful not only in their careers probably but they're so successful in communication and empathy and understanding and that is so important that is like part mm -hmm. mostly mm -hmm. part of life to understand and to listen and to be with and but like as a genuine person like just as your authentic self mm -hmm. and it's a it's amazing to me when big 
religions like evangelical like the big mega churches that don't actually allow that to exist for anybody unbeknownst to you until mm-hmm. you break away until you get in yep yeah and it's too late right and That's then why i do a lot of education around like if you're going to find a church make sure you know up front before you go that it's an affirming church if you sure. are there are websites where you can go on and check and do a search for the, you know, Church Clarity um, has established a site where you can go on and search for different churches' names and find out whether they're affirming or not. And I think that is so important because to get roped into a church that leads you to believe you're quote-unquote welcome, um, and then you get in the door and realize that you're not really equal to everybody else is a um, switch that is extremely harmful and, and traumatic for LGBT people. It's so harmful. I also have a hard time with, I am, I'm a free thinker. I'm a free spirit. I don't quite understand only relying on a Bible. And I know mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't really get that because we're existing right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I get the spiritual and the, 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 there are some beautiful things in there and I've read it and I've used passion and I actually appreciate it but I appreciate it from the side of a poetic existence at the mm-hmm. time although it was mm-hmm. written thousands of years later and it's just interpretation um I do appreciate all that uh but I what I appreciate is the culture behind mm-hmm. the way a religion exists and why I mean I do a lot mm-hmm. of traveling around the world I do a lot of work in India for LGBTQ people wow. so it's I don't know. To me, if you get the opportunity to experience that and get in front of people like you do, like you speak in front of lots of people, you have to experience those people to really get what we're doing together in this world. Because honestly, none of it matters, but it doesn't. It only exists because we created it. Um, What do you find with all that? Uh, Sorry, I tend to talk a lot when I connect to a person and I can like totally relate to them and like mm-hmm. feel their energy. So that's all I'm doing. I apologize if I'm talking too much. Um, but what do you do in regards to, um, what do you, what do you actually, what do you come up against now? Like uh, speaking in front of people, um, uh, tr- what you don't have to t- say names, but like, what are some things that stand out to you uh, as far as like stories and like, and, and, and allowing you to grow and like continue this vast, beautiful journey that you're on. Like, cause you, I know what it's like to speak in front of people and then you get to hear stories and that's what inspired you mm-hmm. and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing stories. I love, you know, the Q and A portion of events where I get to interact with people and, and hear their stories and their journeys and what's on their heart. Um, the reason I stay doing the work that I do at the, at this intersection of faith and sexuality is because there's still such a great need for it. Mm-hmm. Still so many people trapped in unaffirming spaces, unaffirming families, um, you know, unaffirming religion who believe that they are not loved by God um, and that they have to fix or change who they are in order to be accepted by God. Yeah. So um, I continue to do that work because it's still needed. So whether I'm helping LGBT people navigate their coming out process, or whether I'm educating pastors and parents on the importance of full inclusion, um, whatever that is, I do that because that work is still desperately needed and still there's still a lot of change that needs to happen. 
Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is encouraging people to go on their own spiritual journey. Like I said, you don't have to be in church to find God. Mm-hmm. I believe, um, I believe faith is a personal connection with God, um, a personal relationship with God, not um, something that has to happen in a church or in a building or at a service. Um, like I said, I, I connect with God the most when I'm in nature or when I'm with other people. And, and that's very meaningful for me. It doesn't mean you can't find it in church because that still is obviously if you're in a, in a healthy place and finding, I'm very grateful for all the affirming churches we have. Um, so there is still that space. And like I said, my wife and I still attend, um, but I don't think it's required to, um, to attend church to, in order to have a relationship with God. Um, there's so much vast beauty and diversity in God and you can find that personal relationship um, in whatever way feels most healing and most comforting for you. And so encouraging people to go on that journey and not be afraid of it because coming from that evangelical or conservative religious space, you're often afraid to to journey outside that box or to ask questions. And so encouraging them to to take that leap of faith and to, to not be afraid of it and know that God will meet them exactly where they're at. And there's nothing that they have to change or fix in order to, to be loved by God. I mean, that's it. I mean, the thing, funny, ironic part is that Jesus doesn't have a church. Jesus is just walking around. Mm-hmm, and talking mm-hmm. to and, I mean, yeah. the thing, I look at it this way and it's, I say, I've said it to a couple of my guests that I've had on so far. We're Jesus. We're the ones that are actually doing the work that he probably, no, he did or whomever did set out to, to do and just to bring the community help those in need and mm-hmm. not sit love on the marginalized you know oh and he's like, Listen, like Jesus back was all right about now. the marginals exactly that's really to me that's what it was and then obviously the establishment started to ha- was happening and then right. continued, and this is why they were afraid and it's still to this day people are very afraid there's modern leaders that martin luther king he was killed because he was doing what jesus did but people mm-hmm. hated it because he had a different I don't know if he had, a, I, don't, I don't want to call it different, but he had an idea that brought people actually together to work on something, to make it. Yep, to make the world better for people in the margins. Amen. Um, so explain, so you have two books, Refocusing My Family is one of them, but then the other one is Unashamed, uh, the first coming out guide for LGBT people of faith, which, uh, what was that like? Uh, explain it. To everybody and I have to read it because I want to take this book and I want to hand it to so many people. Awesome. I would love that. Yeah. Um, refocusing my family was my way of sharing my story. It's a memoir. So it talks about my, my journey of growing up in this, you know, evangelical conservative space and what it was like to, to come out as gay. Um, and really that the goal of that was to kind of be a voice for other LGBT people of faith and to give them a story they could identify with and, and, and you know, somebody that was going to be a voice of hope for them. Um, and then, but then quickly on the heels of that came Unashamed. And I didn't expect to write a second book so quickly, but it became very clear how needed it was because, you know, we came, we've got quite a few books that talk now about, you know, deconstructing theology and um, what the Bible really says in those seven verses that people point out and try to, you know, nail LGBT people too. Um, And so there's a lot of books now that help kind of deconstruct that and talk more about um, what what those verses really mean and how they really have nothing to do with LGBT people and the way that we understand it today, you know. And so there's a lot of books around faith and sexuality, but there was nothing to then help them 
it's like, okay, I'm gay and I'm a person of faith. Now what? Like, how do I move forward? Like, what's next for me? And so Unashamed really takes a holistic approach of helping people navigate their coming out process, um, starting with things like internalized homophobia and where that comes from. Um, and then talking about um, kind of reframing the way that we view God so we can reframe the way we view ourselves and um, and the importance of affirming community and how to know when to come out and if you're ready, um, things like navigating grief and loss and establishing healthy boundaries and managing self-care. Um, it really just takes a holistic approach and gives very practical tips on how to do all those things with all the resources that I could you know, possibly pack in. Um, trying to just get it all in their hands. It's like the kind of, because um, I was getting emails with the same stories over and over asking the same questions. Sure. What do I do if I'm in ministry? What if my parents are in ministry? How do I know, how do I know if I'm ready to come out? You know, And so this just kind of helps answer all of those most commonly asked questions. And then, then at the end of every chapter, I give a little um, section for parents and allies of how to support their loved ones through each phase of the journey and, and how to be there for them. So it was really kind of my attempt of, uh, and I do share the stories of other people I've met along the way in there for people that um, allowed me to, to use their story as part of the book. And so it really just um, takes a holistic approach that I hope will be really beneficial for people for years to come. That's great. I love that. It's like the idiot's guide to, no, it's not that, but that's, you know. Well, in, in some ways it kind of is for, for LGBT people of faith, you know, and it really um, is geared towards, towards youth and, um, and college age. And, and cause that's, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to navigate a lot of this and, and not always, but it's very user-friendly and easy to navigate for, for queer youth. So I think um, they'll find a lot of meaning in that. Well, and story, you talk about storytelling and you to tell your stories and like your website and like your work and things that I've looked up on you. And it's so true. Like you literally have to tell your story over and over and over and over and over. Yes. Almost to the point that it sounds so ridiculous. You know, like I did an exercise one time where I had to write my story out and the other person had to write their story out. And I had to say my story over and over and over and over to this person, like a lot to the point I started either crying or laughing whatever it was at that moment and then you take it and you just crumble it up and then then you work in the now and then you can get that can you get a better understanding of um mm -hmm. of what that journey is for you whatever that journey yeah. is, yeah. is so and we're always we're always on a journey we're always learning we're always growing we're always becoming you know and so allowing yourself to be on that journey and, and loving who you are in the process yeah exactly and i think that's that's exactly it and um you're an awesome person. Um, I'm glad I got connected to you. I think the work you're doing to guide queer youth and queer people in general inside of faith and believing in God or whomever, or like what that is for you, being out in nature, connecting to human beings, actually connecting and being authentic with it um, is pretty astounding. And I, and I know lots of people do this, but there's very few people I tr I think, I don't know if you believe this, but I actually think there are very few people in the world that are just being and existing with mm -hmm. all of it, mm -hmm. not just some of it. Mm -hmm. And 
that's what I strive to not strive, but that's what I work on to do. And mm. I honor my anxiety. I honor my annoyance with people and the human. <laughs> I do. Cause we, there's those moments where you're like, Oh my God, that's so fucking stupid. But you got to honor that and figure out and, and try to understand why, why is someone this way? Why did not someone come out until they're in their twenties? Why did someone kill that person you know what I mean like why did someone mm. do the things that they're doing and and it come everything comes from a place so um and your place is awesome and I'm glad I got to know you but there's a couple things I love for my guest to give some words of wisdom to my queer youth listeners if you if you may yeah absolutely I think the most important the most important things I could say would be um, love yourself. Don't let anybody tell you that you're inferior, um, or that God loves you less because you're queer. Know that, know in the depths of your soul that you are completely and fully loved by God exactly as you are. Um, and then don't rush to come out before you're ready. You'll know when it's time. You'll know when you're ready. Um, don't hurry into that, um, before your time. There's support waiting for you, um, but if you're, you know, depending on your situation and where you're living and who you're with, you want to be careful and make sure that you, um, that you just take your time with that so that you can have the most support and, and, and the best structure in place to, to support you on the other side of that. So never rush to come out, know that you are loved, um, and know that there's tons of us here cheering you on and willing to support you um, wherever you are in your journey. That's beautiful. Thank you. Also, where can they find you? You can find me on social media at Amber N, as in Nicole Cantorna. It's a, it's a tricky last name, but I'm there. Um, so at Amber N Cantorna. Um, and my website's ambercantorna.com. Um, I also launched a book, book club this fall as part of the pandemic. So anybody that wants to join in, we've got a beautiful online community and a private space where you can be out within that group, but nobody can see that you're in there. So it's a great safe space for people who are trying to navigate coming out and um, registration for next season will open in January. So they can certainly find out more details about that on our website as well. And um, yeah, books are, you know, wherever you buy books, you can find them and, and all the great things. So very, very cool. I like your last name, Cantorna. What is that? Cantorna. It is Filipino. Do I say it right? Thank you so much, Amber. I really appreciate your time. Go check Amber out all over the internet. And it's a great resource. The book is called Unashamed, The Coming Out Guide for LGBTQ, LGBTQ Christians by Amber Cantorna. Uh, of course, thank you to my honor sponsors, Jose de la Cuesta and Michael J. Grabowskis. And I'm your host, Anthony Giorgio, and thanks for listening to another episode of QT, Queer Teen Podcast, encouraging the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. And remember, listen, learn, love.